0: the busy uh, now he's going to move like right along to mcgregor that's his whole life you know. so i think of the two flashback episodes that we have had so far in the fifth season of the x-files travelers is the least yeah. interesting the least success- successful and i i think i actually kind of actively hate this episode a little bit
1: oh i'm glad that you feel that way because i felt very similarly this episode feels in somewhat so many ways like a missed opportunity, right? Like we have an op So this is obvious. We are very haunted in this season by the specter of the upcoming movie. Uh, there are a lot of decisions made during this season that were movie related. I assume this is another episode that was made so that David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson could be doing movie stuff at this point. I yep. mean, and Gillian Anderson doesn't even appear in that, which actually my question is, does she have more of a role in it or something like that? I wonder if, that was why she had a couple more episodes where she wasn't around. No,
0: I think, I think, I think that their I think their screen time in the movie is, is pretty equally sure.
1: distributed. It,
0: it, it could have just been that, um, the way scheduling, you know, for example, yeah. similarly to it, you can't really do an X-Files prequel without David Duchovny, but you can do yeah. one without Gillian Anderson because she wasn't there until 1993. So that might just be the only little bit of, of yeah. continuity there. Yeah.
1: His scenes obviously just took a day to film and that was it. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, I, I I think it's weird that the structure is a double prequel in some ways, as in the frame takes place in the past, and then we go to a story that's even further in the past. So that is a strange decision in terms of uh, – again, obviously, this is a reason that gets Mulder into the X-Files, although it doesn't feel like a satisfying and interesting reason in the same way that uh, – Well, he hooked up with a lone gunman on this case, and that spurred his interest in weird conspiracy stuff. Uh, That episode felt like enough of an origin from Mulder, and now we learn that, well, there was an old FBI agent, and that got him further into the case. And again, it feels like this is an episode that sets up a bunch of revelations, but none of it is quite earth-shattering enough to deserve its own episode. Which is fine.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Which is fine if we just want to make a monster of the week episode that, number one, uh, lets our leads be elsewhere for the week. And number two, looks different again. Here here the production staff gets to have some fun with costumes and set design in a way that they hadn't done. It looks different than the normal episode. We get a bunch of different actors. We get a bunch of different uh, – a different kind of story this time. Uh, but again, that doesn't seem enough. I don't know. It, it, it's cool to see the '50s again. It's cool to have more of a noir style X-Files story. Uh, does it feel worth devoting a full episode to? In this iteration, I don't necessarily think so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. I think primarily the the problem with Travelers is that the plot isn't very interesting. Oh, you know, as as an origin story of the X-Files, this is. Really not that great, and you know this is a like you said it's a double flashback. It's flashing back to both 1990, just you know a year or two before David Duchovny slash uh, uh, you know Mulder went on the X Files, and and 1952 at the actual sort of origin story of of the the X Files as a concept. And I don't really think the 1990 is necessary. Yeah. It seems like what they may have been going for is, is is a through line in this season where Mulder is an up-and-coming, successful, handsome FBI agent working in the behavioral profiling unit, and he runs across this strange thing going on, meets the lone gunman. And, you know, becomes, you know, kind of reawakened to this idea about alien abduction and conspiracies and and all this kind of stuff. Okay, that's fine. And then this episode coming like, you know, what is it, like six months later or whatever, uh, is, is a little bit further. It's a little bit further in time from that. He is now sort of poking at the edges of you know, more extreme case matter and things like that. Okay, fine. Uh, also, he's smoking in this episode, which is a really strange choice. I don't know why they did that. Um, uh, I get-
1: also, he's wearing a wedding ring.
0: Yeah, and is I seem to recall that the wedding ring was Duchovny's idea, and it's kind of like... It, it, it's it's mostly supposed to be an in-joke. It's not actually okay. supposed to be in- indicative that, that uh, so this Walter
1: is, was actually married. Yeah, because it seemed like that was a subtle way of, you know, obviously, this is the beginning of fan culture on the internet. Somebody's going to notice that. It seemed like it was a clue for the sharp-eyed members of the audience to seem like, well, what does that mean? Oh, and then to have in a later episode the season or in the movie reveal his wife, his ex-wife, and then – because I, I again I can see that being part of. Well, Mulder was this young up and coming FBI agent. He had a wife. He had a great career, and then threw it all away for the X Files. And yes, that would be a bit of a retcon. But so they aren't actually doing that.
0: His his ex wife is actually Scully. Uh, it's it's oh. a very very strange story, but we'll get into that on in a later point. But yeah, I, I think that for me, like, and, and and the other thing that really gets to me about this episode is the, the small universe nature of it. And, and yeah. this is something that happens a lot when a show is on the air for a few years. The same characters pop up again and again, even in flashbacks. And I, I, I just fundamentally find the inclusion of Mulder's father yeah. as one of the key driving forces for the, you know, for, for uh, Agent Dales to, you know, discover the X-Files and sort of like... Mulder's father is, is a little bit instrumental in creating the existence of the X-Files as a as a thing, as a department, as a whatever you want to call it. It it's just strikes me as, like, a little too cutesy for me. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I I think there would have been a way to do it, but this was not the way.
1: Yeah, on the one hand, I can see it making sense because this is a conspiracy story. And so you can believe in a conspiracy story that there are people with the ability to make li- events line up in a certain way. If this thing feels coincidence, well, Bill Mulder's, Bill Mulder did a lot to make sure that this all lined up, that his that uh, Dales did go on the X-Files, that his son did get onto this path, things like that. But on the other hand, I do agree that does feel a little too convenient. It doesn't feel like it makes that much sense and it feels like the chess mastering involved for that to happen is a little too neat
0: right right because i i do think that there i mean i think plot criticism in general is is sometimes a little overblown or a little lazy i mean certainly uh you know people say oh well why did this happen well it happened because it's in the plot and uh, you know if, if you, you have to have cause and effect in a, in, a, in a form of narrative drama you can't just sort of have random events happening all the time otherwise you have treme and as much as i love treme it's not a show for everyone and it is very, very demanding to watch. Uh, So I don't really know what the show is trying to tell us about the, the sort of like control that our Mulder has over his own, his own life. I was, he always destined to be on the X files. Is this just a complete coincidence? I'm not really sure. And it kind of feels like a way to to give us a character in the flashbacks that we already have at least some sort of cursory yeah. knowledge of or fond feelings for, even if it's not the same actor as the person who played Mulder's father in the 90s, because, of course, he's supposed to be yeah. like 50 years younger. But, I mean, A, I don't really remember much about Mulder's father, and then he died. Uh, in fact, I thought he was kind of a jerk. And B, like he's not that interesting in the episode and none of the other characters in the flashback parts are very interesting. There's a, there's a real sort of, and I don't know if I'm just having a problem with white, you know, cis male stuff recently or whatever. Maybe if I was watching Hmm. this a year ago, I wouldn't be as annoyed by it, but there's a, there's a weird sort of like, nostalgia for this period of history running throughout this episode and i don't i don't share that nostalgia I, I i think that the 50s were kind of a gross period yeah and you know certainly it looks good and the noir aspects of it are good and they're men in hats and all that yeah. stuff but you know at the end of the day it was not that great of a period and none of these characters are very interesting
1: Yeah. Again, it feels like a missed opportunity. I feel like, all right, well, Dale's is going to be something important. Like, I'm really interested to see the – you know, these two guys and, you know, they're they're going to be our window into – an imaginary series that of the X-Files that took place in the 1950s. Like you can imagine that series. You can imagine in everybody in period clothing, deal, you know, talking about communists and all of that and suddenly there's aliens as well. I mean that the, the 50s did have a lot of science fiction in them. I think the, as a as a glimpse into a 1950s iteration of this would be cool, but It's very shallowly done. You don't get a sense of these characters. The partner is jolly and has a cat, and then he dies. Um, The biggest missed opportunity of this episode is that Dales has a redheaded secretary, and I thought, okay, what they're setting up is this is a version of Scully from the 1950s. He's a version of Mulder, and they're going to partner in, and they're going to start the X-Files, and that's kind of cute. There is a history history repeating kind of thing going on here but she's really in only one scene or two and all she does is well i just put everything on directs and that's it and again missed opportunity
0: yeah, I'm glad you mentioned her because I, I was about to mention her actually. I, I think that she's fantastic. Yeah. And that's the only part of the flashback episode the flashback parts of the episode that, that really come to life for me. I want to know more about her. I want to know more about what it is that she's doing. I mean, obviously I think that that having her be an FBI agent in nineteen fifty-two would have been a step too far. I don't know for sure if there were any female FBI agents in nineteen fifty-two, but I would be very surprised if there were. Uh, but but aside
1: from that, I mean, that doesn't even matter. The 1950s film canon is filled with wisecracking secretaries who hang out and help solve the case. I mean, how many detectives from noir movies have the secretary that they kind of work with? Uh, Casablanca has one. Uh not, no, no, I'm sorry, not Casablanca. Maltese Falcon has one. She could be that kind of an archetype. And again, even if she is officially the secretary and she's doing every, she's working on him unofficially as an agent, we are still watching this in 1998 or 2018 and I don't care if it's 100% historically accurate in that way.
0: Yeah, I'm with you and I also think that there is there is a real there's a real ahistoricity to all of this where I don't know that the episode really ever engages or or even shows that it understands that there were forces at play in society and culture in 1952 Mm. that were very different. I, I, you know, aside from the, I mean, but it doesn't even really deal with the communist stuff in any real way. Um, it, it kind of makes some hand wavy gestures to it in, in terms of looking at, oh well, you know, communist, blah blah blah, uh, making some sort of parallelism with the ways in which these, you know, um, the guys uh, Edward Skurr is kind of hiding, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really do anything interesting with that, and 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 in a show that I think really examines America in a very interesting way a lot of the time, that also feels like a missed opportunity. You know, it it, nothing about this screams 1952 to me. It just seems like everyone's play acting.
1: Yeah. And in an episode like Memoirs of a Cigarette Smoking Man, for example, uh, that episode dealt with stuff like the Kennedy and King assassinations in a way which... Yes, doesn't quite jibe with our understanding of American history. It requires a ton of suspension of disbelief we're not really prepared to do. It does require a lot of things lining up in a very particular way that I doubt they did. But that was one which worked in the context of the episode in which uh, the cigarette-smoking man is both mythologized and brought down very much. So – The -the over-the-top larger-than-life, he killed both Kennedy and MLK, is the stuff of shadowy legend in that very episode. The stuff going on with – well, Roy Kahn really orchestrated the House Un-American Activities Committee so that way people who had been experimented on with alien technology, if they talked, we said they were communists and we arrested them and nobody cared. That's a little ridiculous and they're expecting us to take that as what actually happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I i think the I mean we'll have to deal with the Roy Cohn stuff, so we may as well do it now. I mean I'm I'm certainly not a fan of Roy Cohn. Cut. He was a horrible human being and I you know I'm I'm sorry he contracted AIDS and died, but he I'm was so- also a closeted gay man who, you know, used his uh power and influence to to destroy lives, destroy a lot of lives. Um I, you know, I, I think that for me the episode that feels like the X Files sometimes does this, of course, right? Where it goes a little bit too far down a road of, if, if, like, sort of, fabulizing the past in a way. Yeah, and I think this is a clear indication of that. I think that if this had been a flashback in Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man we wouldn't Hmm. have given it a second thought or we might have even liked it because it would have been recontextualizing something in a very subjective way. And, you know, we discussed that episode a lot in terms of, did this actually happen? Did this not actually happen? Um, Nothing in Travelers is there to indicate to us that this is not a a pretty straight historical recreation of what happened. We don't really get a sense from the episode that Arthur Dales is telling Mulder in 1990 any sort of sanitized or or exaggerated version of yeah. the events of what happened. And I just don't really you know, Roy Arthur Dales has this line in the episode where he says, you know, do you know what Hueck is? And then he answers his own question, oh, you're you were too young. It's <coughs> like I know what Hueck is. I think a lot of people know what Hueck is. But anyway, um that's obviously a way for the TV writer to tell yes. people that don't in the audience that don't know what Hueck is, what Hueck is. But he says, you know, they didn't find anything. Do you think that they wouldn't have found anything if I, if nothing was what they wanted to find? And I just, ha- I mean, when that yeah. line happened, I groaned and rolled my eyes, literally, because that is the X-Files at its worst. It is the X-Files that is creating really lazy mysteries out of absolutely nothing. And I don't know, again, if the episode realizes that. I think it... I think the episode thinks it's making really salient points about how the communist witch hunt of the 1950s was a cover-up for, you know, the this episode was sort of, um, uh, one of the influences on it was the the blacklist, right? The Hollywood blacklist yeah. of, of suspected communists. And that was a horrible period in American history. Uh, you know, many, many people lost their livelihoods and had a lot of trouble mm. finding work for years after that. Uh, it was bad. Um, yeah, this was... But it doesn't do anything interesting with that idea.
1: And in a way, it very much, it undercuts any... It undercuts how rotten that was because, for me, the Roy Kahn represents the ultimate in evil-aligned conservatism. Uh, he is the one who influenced – uh, So
0: conservatism.
1: <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Um, This is a version that can't even pretend that it's doing anything good. Like, this is unvarnished evil. It's n- uh, Roy Kahn, I see, as somebody who doesn't even give a shit about pretending to be good about it. Yeah, Re- Reagan was the scum of the earth, and I'm glad how he died, but at least he tried to pretend that he was doing stuff for the family and America and all of that. At least Donald Trump vaguely pretends. I don't think Roy Kahn even got that far because why did he give a shit? And— For the episode to say, well, this wasn't just uh, contempt for the poor, contempt for everything, just power uh, feeding on itself. Uh, This was a cover-up because aliens. It's almost – it uncomfortably reminds me of the uh, – It's hard for me to exactly explain this, but do you you get what I'm saying with this? Like, that makes it... Yeah, no. That makes something real kind of silly. Now, maybe at this time, uh, House Un-American was seen as so in the past and such a relic in a way that it doesn't really matter, but, you know, it's okay for us to recontextualize this because it's so far in the past that it doesn't... The forces are not affecting this now, but... I guess we are in a time where these forces are gathering strength again, and so I – maybe that's why it kind of leaves a bad taste to me.
0: No, I, I'm with you. I, I I do agree with you because I, I think we've this is something we, we've talked about before, of course. But there there was a real sense in in the '90s after the the collapse of the Berlin Wall and after the fall of the Soviet Union that that this was it that you know capitalism had won, that democracy had won, uh, that freedom had won, that everything was fine. And this was a very I mean you lived through 1990, you lived in 1998, yeah. and so did I. Um, I'm sure we have listeners out there that we're barely alive in 1998 and this may come as a great shock to you but it was really seen as a as a good time for america you know certainly there were problems and they were um they were seen as such but for the most part america was in a lot of denial about itself you know it is sort of like oh well we came through the 50s and 60s and 70s and now everything is is good again and that is obviously not true. And that wasn't true. Then there were a lot of problems then that, that sort of boiled over into the time period that we are now living in. But I kind of feel like that's part of what you're reacting to as well that, mm. and I think it's, it's connected to that, that a that I mentioned earlier, where this episode has no opinion about Roy Cohn. This episode has no opinion about the activities of the house on American committee. This episode has no opinion about communism. Uh, I don't know what the point of this is. You know, it it, it it's very the X Files get away with that kind of stuff sometimes because it does have a point of view. Um, this is an X Files episode that is about really serious and and real life events that has no point of view and that is in is kind of just like actively treating it as cosplay and I find that kind of offensive.
1: Yeah, I think the closest to a point of view they have is by playing ominous musical stings whenever Roy Khan is on is on screen, but beyond that's not a very strong point of view, is it? That's not a very you know, it's he's treated about like Darth Vader, and I mean, the guy who plays him does a very good job. He's slimy, he's horrible, but there's a difference between. But I think the episode thinks of him as just a horrible TV character.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does, and I think that that's a real failing on on this episode's part. And you know, leaving leaving all that aside as well, I I also think that it's a little. It's a little hard to explain, but part of what I think makes this episode so such a failure is that the X-Files is a very dramatic show. It's a very bombastic show. It's very larger than life. We're dealing with, you know, a vast governmental and non-governmental conspiracy to cover up the imminent colonization of Earth by aliens. Hmm. This is about as as operatic and grandiose as American television got in the nineteen nineties. And the origin story for the x files is basically nothing. The origin story for the x files is a weird guy that had a spider grafted into him, killed yeah. a bunch of people, and an FBI agent stumbled on it and that 's how the x files got started yeah and if the if this if this was written by say Darren Morgan. I think that I'd be much on board much more on board with it because he would have made a very very sort of like wry commentary on the fact that the X-Files basically had a nothing origin story and it's it's a bit directly subverting your expectations about what you think the origin story of the X-Files should be but it's not and it isn't very interesting and it's not very important
1: going back to memories of a cigarette smoking man uh this episode with that tone would have made a lot of sense. Again, the undercutting that oh, we just called the X Files because there was more room in that drawer. Again, that's a silly thing which undercuts that and makes makes bare and deals with and acknowledges the fact that this was just something we pulled out and here's us making up an origin story years later. And but they're trying to make it seem like we're supposed to be impressed by that and as written.
0: Like I said, the X Files has never been shy about undercutting itself, but but it knows this feels like. But yeah, yeah, that's right. In this episode, it doesn't feel like it knows it's doing that.
1: Well, I want to talk a tiny bit more about this historicity of, because of something that so part of this episode hinges around this concept of xeno-implantation. Uh, and <laughs> right. we're explicitly told, well, this is a Nazi scientist uh, technique, and that's terrible. And... Why I think that's funny is because on our other show Trek About, we did the Voyager episode Nothing Human, which uh, was around at the same time as this episode. I think a year difference. Uh,
0: but yeah, just about. Well, actually, no. I think they were the same the same year. Either
1: um, either way, they are both yeah. they, they're both roughly the same time, and both of those episodes are dealing a little more so in Voyager's case with this idea of let's talk about ethics relating to Nazi medicine. Why is this, is was this something that was a discussion at the time where people uh, – I mean it was about 50 years later, so I can see why we would revisit that, but why is suddenly the idea of Nazi-based medicine a debate in, in 1998?
0: I don't know. I, I feel like there was something that happened that I'm not remembering that – seemed like kind of an important thing at the time, but maybe wasn't that important because I'm not remembering it. I don't know. 1998 was a weird time for me. I had a lot of other stuff going on in my life. I had just come out. I was getting ready to go to college. I wasn't really paying attention to (laughs) the news. So I'm probably not the best person to ask. but
1: It certainly is an era in which technology was changing. I mean, we had cloning happening at this point and there was a debate about well should we allow human cloning and you have a greater focus on technology and the creation of the world wide web and computers going into more people's homes and so i i mean it is possible that in general technology was something that a lot of people had fears about and that's going to naturally lead to well what what is the what is the line like is Nazi technology something acceptable is technology for its own good that is it as simple as that? I mean, maybe there was more historical evidence coming out at the time, and you know, we we had more of a clearer idea than now of what Doctor Mengel did, and so now we're talking about that. I mean, it could be as simple as that. I I'm mean, just curious. I, I...
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would guess that if there wasn't something coming out specifically about Nazi medical experimentation in 1997, 1998, that it was probably a confluence of events. I, I do I do vaguely remember that that medical ethics were a, a you know kind of a relatively hot topic of conversation at that time. Doctor because of cloning, was... as you said, Doctor Kavorkian as well. Um, I'm sure there were other things going on. You know, DNA had just been mm. um, sort of Who really Gino, a yeah. huge thing yeah human genome project all that stuff so I, I think that 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 might just be part of it that it was just kind of in the culture and it's it's nazi experimentation why is it that specifically i couldn't tell you but I mean, that's the, maybe why
1: at least the x files has already dealt with nazis you know it's already put that piece into play and so if they're picking it up again uh and certainly less than 10 years later uh is something in universe is something where this would pop up i, I guess that might be it
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, I mean, you know, aside from that, relatedly, and I think the last thing I want to say before we move on to Mind's Eye, is the other part of the episode that really fails is that nothing about this episode really works because even the monster is kind of like, what? Yeah. I mean, I I don't really get it. It's not one of their best monsters. I wouldn't even put it in the top 50. Uh, It's a guy, it's a bunch of guys who had a spider implanted in their like pancreas or whatever and it comes out of their mouth and then it like yeah. sucks up all their organs and like bones and stuff and you're like w- wh- why is the- why would you do this
1: i what, mean what is yeah of this? in terms of the actual scene and the makeup and the prosthetics and all of that like it's a scary scene but then when you think back it's like that makes no goddamn sense like uh, uh, are you, are you sitting down i feel bad about complaining about tombs in relation to this guy <laughs> like and, and, and funny enough i wish this episode had been a tombs origin story like oh though you know that, that he was created through you know weird government experimentation and okay we've closed the door we open it that's all we need to know and then we get the idea that they're experimenting on people to create weapons i don't know like it's just yeah it, it, it makes no goddamn sense and
0: yeah it yeah that would have been interesting and
1: and why don't they just kill him Oh, my God, if Roy Kahn wants this guy out of the way and not talking and not bothering people, how easily could he have him killed? He's not under right, his right. control anymore. He's not useful to Roy Kahn anymore. It, just make – just tell the guy standing next to you, take care of this, and it will be taken care of. You're Roy Khan. Come on.
0: I know. I know. We're supposed to believe that Roy Khan, of all people, would, would draw the line at murder. Uh, no. No. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just a mess of an episode, and I, I, I think that I think that I'm glad that I think we're done talking about it. All right, well, let's move on to Mind's Eye, but before we do that, I do want to take an opportunity to let you all know that this podcast is supported by you. Yes, you listening to this right now. If you like our podcasts, including Truck About, which Richard mentioned earlier, and you want to support us financially, there are costs associated with running these fantastic podcasts that we bring to you each and every week without fail. No vacations, no holidays, no reruns. 52 weeks a year, you know you're going to get a podcast in your feed. Please go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. Okay. Well, Mind's eye, I think, is the better of the two. Not saying it's very good, uh, but I want to start out this conversation by talking about All the ways in which this episode gets Delaware wrong is (laughs) finally my opportunity.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, I've been to the French Street bus station in Wilmington, Delaware.
0: I know. I wrote that in my notes. It is not actually the French Street bus station, and it is not on French Street. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is not going to be interesting to anyone, but indulge me for two minutes. Uh, Some of the problems with this episode include the Southbridge District. Well, Southbridge is a real neighborhood, but no one calls it the Southbridge District. Um, Highway 13, it's Route 13. There are a bunch of shady motels that someone would possibly do a drug drug deal prostitution or get murdered in. Uh, but the Wilmington police would have nothing to do with it. It's outside the, the city limits of Wilmington. It would be the Newcastle County police. So the entire Wilmington police department stuff in this episode, completely wrong. Um, what else? As I already said, the front street bus station doesn't exist. Uh, Wilmington, Delaware is a much busier city in this episode than it is in real life. Uh, in real life, it is very sleepy and almost no one walks anywhere. um, I think that's enough for now.
1: I feel like that and Lily Taylor's great as always is what we have to say about this episode. Like, I'm worried that that's why you talked about Delaware for so long.
0: (laughs) I could keep going. Um, I I think that this is a very mediocre episode of the X-Files that is helped a lot by a really, really good performance. See, I was
1: going to say this is a fantastic early season two episode.
0: It is. I I would agree with you. I think that this is an episode that we get from time to time that it was that is yeah. completely devoid of of any sort of context. is completely devoid of any of the real ambitions or you know s- skill ups or anything that the X-Files has done. I don't even think it looks that good frankly. Um it's got that sort of like very dark generic we we're, we're filming in the Pacific Northwest in the 1990s look yeah. to it. Um it's it's just kind of
1: it feels. It's very average. Well, again, it feels. This is part of why I'm saying we're haunted by the spectra of the movie. This feels like an episode that was done almost on autopilot. This is, I mean, no, so this is a Tim Minear episode, and he's probably very good at writing this kind of thing very quickly. Okay, this is not going to be that elaborate of an episode to make. We'll let, le- we'll let Lily Taylor carry most of it, and that That's nothing we have to do any anything extra on Mulder and Scully don't really have to work very hard this week uh again, it feels like an episode that they did very quickly. Maybe it was a script that hadn't been fleshed out or finished because Mulder and Scully don't really do anything interesting in it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was really struck by how much they didn't do anything in a way that again was really harkening back to the first couple seasons of this show. This reminds and, me and of, something that the show has really gotten away from.
1: This reminds me a lot of was it Shadows that episode um with Lauren Kite. Oh yeah. Now again, that was an episode that was an early episode that I really liked, but it's mostly focusing on this woman and the weird shit that's happening to her and every so often she checks in with Mulder and Scully, but for the most part she's on her own with this. Uh and again in both episodes this is the Lily Taylor show this week. Uh she is she's the protagonist of this episode. Mulder and Scully are supporting actors.
0: And I you know and I think that's okay. You know, yeah. I, I, one of the things that I like uh, I, w- one of the things that I like about the X-Files and one of the things that I like about episodic television is that it can do things like this. And and also the fact that that you know, I don't know that we've really ever talked a lot about the fact that the X-Files is even odd for only having two main cast members. You know, this is a show that really does have to build little worlds each week. And that's that's hard to do.
1: Yeah, it's only in the mythology episodes that we have an actual cast for the most part and that that I end up liking most of the Monster of the Week episodes is a testament to, well, these two people are really the heart of this show. Uh, but of course it does work with the themes of this episode that they really aren't able to solve it in time, that they can't really fix things to any satisfaction because it is about how much uh, – this woman gets the shit end of the stick. Uh, does something desperate, and even though she's in a bad situation, has at least come to some weird kind of peace in the end. It's a, again, it's a tragic episode in that way.
0: I, I mean, I will say that that as much as we're sort of shitting on this episode, it, it's it's decent. You know, it's yeah. it's it's pretty well constructed, and I think that. You know, if you compare this episode to some other episodes that we've had in the past, uh written by John Cheap and Cough Cough, huh. you know, that that it has a clear idea about where it's going, it has a couple yeah. of really interesting plot points that kind of change how you think about the episode or how you th- where you think the episode is going. Um, you know, Scully does make one of the key discoveries in the episode, the the bloody glove. Um, you know, in the in the slot in the wall in the motel, that kind of changes some of the ways in which the the you know the 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 characters in the episode are, are looking at uh, Marty, and it's it's well done. I mean, I think that once you know the end of the episode, once you know that she has somehow always had access to the vision of her father, um, that is really well done. And the layers and layers in the episode work well. And it it makes you think about what had come before and recontextualize it. Um, is it like revelatory? Is it the best thing ever? No. And I don't think it's an episode that that you're really going to sit around and think about for much longer after you, watch it or or listen to us talk about it but but it is it's a kind of just it's a meat and potatoes episode
1: yeah and i really like the i really like marty's motivations in this episode because at first it does seem like she's working with or protecting him or something like that and that doesn't make sense again i i clicked that it was her father before the episode quite reveals that but it still doesn't make sense and i like the fact that her motivation is just simply she doesn't want to have these visions anymore she's cleaning up after his crimes because if he goes to prison that's going to suck again she doesn't want to have prison tv at least she has outside tv in her head but uh when she fi- when she figures out a way to kill him and stop it that way that's again her her desperate Attempt to escape this. I I, I like that. Again, it's a – it gives gives a very sad element to this. She's a very tragic character and I think – again, she does – it's Lily Taylor. She's going to do a really good job of that.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I think that that a lot of the reason why the character of Marty has as much pathos as she does is because Lily Tomlin is a really good actor. Lily and, Taylor, Lily Tomlin. You know, is someone else. Sorry, Lily <laughs> Taylor, yeah. I Lily um, Tomlin I,
1: would be a great choice for this character.
0: Well, <gasps> not saying Lily Tomlin's in an episode next season, but I'm saying Lily Tomlin's in an episode next season. Really? Uh yes, really it's 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 a super weird one too you're, <laughs> either really, how, you're either gonna really like it or not really hate be? it uh it also features ed asner so oh
1: god okay i'm ready for this i'm and really it, ready and it, it. it's a christmas episode uh, see you 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 really sold the show to me wrong you should have told me this i would have like <gasps> i know watched it years earlier <laughs> But
0: but yeah, I mean Lily Taylor is is a really good actor and she does a really good job of of I think imbuing this character which which played by a frankly a lesser actor would have really been a nothing character, you know, and and the other thing that I think is is really is kind of striking about the episode and I think it's it's smart that the episode never really brings this subtext as text, but the ways in which I think the the especially the detective, I think, to some degree, Scully, they are discounting Marty because of her because of her um her her vision impairment, right? Her blindness. But there's also ways in which this is a person who has really had to struggle both against mm-hmm. having a visual impairment and also being a woman. And she is really driving the the plot of this episode forward she is the one that is doing a lot of this stuff i mean she is the one who in a you know eventually ends the plot because she murders her her father um and it's but it's her choice i mean she's making choices in this episode that i think are in in stark contrast to the choices that maybe some of the other characters in the episode would think a person like her would would make
1: yeah because uh uh, again we learn early on she's had a record she's done everything from you know possession to i think breaking and, entering, and stuff like that and we they play a lot with the optics of what this looks like because again they're they're making it clear that on the one hand they bring this case to a jury it's this blind woman did this all of all of these crimes and it's going to look ridiculous and she's going to play it very it's going to play very sympathetically and nobody's going to convict her because of that. On the other hand, she has a rap sheet. She, she's not exactly being cooperative. She's in no way acting innocent. She's being nasty to everybody around her. And then on the other hand, well she has a complete reason why would this woman ever trust the police? Why would she trust anybody in law enforcement when she has a when she has a personal camera feed to the inside of what life in a correctional facility is like, and all the abuses of power that go on there, um, why would she trust the system at all? Why would she work with it? Why would she view this as anything but she's gotten fucked by something, and she's just gotten fucked by life, as has happened when she was since she was born
0: yeah 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 and and i mean i also think there's a little bit of there's a little bit of of politics here because there's a very weird line in the episode where Mulder almost sort of like sounds libertarian congratulatory about the fact that she refused all forms of social aid or something and i'm not really sure what to think about that i i think in some respects you're not supposed to think much of it it's just a throwaway line that, that goes by very quickly but but there is an unspoken class here like something is up with the the ways in which society has has really failed this person. Yeah. Um who has had not just the the visual impairment but also um has had a near constant 24-hour movie going through her head of of her father in prison, which doesn't sound fun. And no one knew that was happening, of course, but but that is another way in which she was really dealt the short end of the stick and you know, I don't. I don't want to take it too far. I don't think this episode is is, is trying to say much about how society treats the the you know the disabled, but um, or the differently abled. But it's it's using that as a some sort of vehicle for telling this story, at least. And it's it's somewhat interesting, at least.
1: Yeah, it's an episode that's greater than the sum of its parts. I would say is it the greatest of the season? Certainly not. But it's a Pretty good, solid Monster of the Week episode, I would say. I mean, again, I think the—I think what happens is interesting enough. I like the motivations. It's a weird story that keeps you guessing till the end. Um, Here we have, again, Mulder doing his white knighting shtick where he— I mean, in some ways, this episode does have some resonances to the field where I died, uh, but—which was itself another episode which— hinged a lot on uh, the special effect of the guest star's performance. Uh, and yet, of course, that was not as successful of an episode as this. In a way, Field Where I Died tried to reach for the stars and failed. This reached a lot lower but really succeeded.
0: Yeah, I actually think that's a, that's a good comparison. I had, I had sort of thought about the Field Where I Died as well. You know, not in subject matter, of course, but but in the ways in which Mulder really does like you say white knights the 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 female character in this episode and in the, the field where i died where it, it, i think it's supposed to be a little uncomfortable and i also think that there's a little bit you know i don't think it's in the script of course and i don't even think that that scully is necessarily thinking this but i think jillian anderson is putting something into her performance where she is a little she's judging Mulder a little bit for the ways in which he will leap to the defense of a pretty woman
1: yeah, it seems partially a oh, – because if you remember from War of the Cobra Phages where he you know falls in love with the scientist, Mulder does this every so often and she's making fun of him. But on the other hand, she's also nervous and worried about it because he is falling for a woman who by all accounts is a criminal and has committed murder and he's going to let that cloud his judgment. She knows full well that Mulder will get too into a case, whether it's something like grotesque in which he gets too into the mind of the killer or something like this where he has a little too much sympathy for the victim. There is an amount of detachment that you need to have if you are in law enforcement such as this or else you're not going to investigate the case case properly.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's certainly true. And and I think that in some respects that is – I think it's both the case and both not the case, right? That, yeah. that Mulder is very convinced of her innocence but but does almost nothing to prove it. Whereas Scully is is I don't know that I don't know that Scully believes she's she's innocent or guilty. The the, the cop certainly does. But Scully Muld, is Scully is at least Scully Well is Scully do- is at least going through the motions of investigation.
1: Yeah, she needs evidence no matter what, whether it's aliens or evidence that somebody stabbed someone to death and she, she wants to go where the evidence take her. She's been asked to see if there's anything, see if you can find the weapon. The weapon is missing. She's going to search for it because whether or not it points to Marty or not, they need to find it. That's important. That's going to solve this case.
0: Right, right. I think it's a solid procedural episode, and I think that's about all, the, all I have to say about it. One other fact. I saved one last Delaware fact
1: to the end. Oh,
0: Fa- Fairview, Delaware is not a real place, does not exist.
1: Well, I guess that's a little unfair of a view.
0: <gasps> ah, ah. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on either Traveler's or Mind's Eye, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon. As we said earlier, it's patreon.com slash show. It also supports our other podcast, Trackabout. This week we are talking about a pair of Voyager episodes, Infinite Regress and Nothing Human. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Tuning In Show is our username. And as always, please leave us an Apple Podcasts review for Tuning In. And Richard, (gasps) why should they do that?
1: Because it's the best way that they can listen to us and get new people and solve the case and figure out why the X-Files are called the X-Files and have Lily Taylor kill somebody.
0: Very good. You can go back to sleep now.
1: Next week on Tuning In. Ah, What happened?
0: Oh, sorry, I was trying to whisper.
1: I had a nightmare.
0: Next week on Tuning In, we're going to be talking about All Souls and the Pine Bluff variant.
1: Mech, why do you.